Welcome to The Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada and with the support of Omnovos, Canada's digital customer engagement company. Omnovos makes personalization easy by helping you engage the right customer at the right content at the right time. Find out how you can get started quickly and affordably so you can focus on doing what matters most, driving revenue and margin growth at www.realcustomerengagement.com. This episode is also sponsored by Rewi, real-time interactive worldwide intelligence. Visit riwi.com to learn more. In what is now an annual tradition for the podcast, in this bonus episode, I talk to retail thought leaders to explore one of the most important days in the retail calendar, Black Friday. First up, I welcome back Decium CEO Nicola Kilner, who lets us know that they are hitting the pause button in order to move the world forward and boycotting Black Friday, no longer feeling comfortable participating in a holiday so focused on hyperconsumerism that leaves such a negative impact on our earth. Next, I assembled a top panel of thought leaders to discuss Black Friday's strategy featuring best-selling author and my partner in the Remarkable Retail Podcast, Steve Dennis, and veteran retail CMOs Karen Sterling and Ann Donahoe for a lively and wide-ranging discussion and debate. But first, let's hear from Nicola from Desian. Nicola, welcome back to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Thank you for having me back. I am doing very well. Just uh, enjoying my my time at home in the new world. You know, for those who didn't perhaps catch our first conversation together earlier in the spring and may not know as much about uh, Decium as, as I do, give us an overview of, uh, of the business and a, and a bit about yourself and, and your role there. So Decium is the abnormal beauty company, and we really focus on functional beauty products, but mainly around skincare. And Decium comes from the Latin word for the number 10, because it was all about building 10 brands at once. But the brand that we're probably the most well known for is The Ordinary, uh, which launched four years ago now, um, with a philosophy of bringing transparency to the, the world of skincare and beauty. Um, my role is CEO. Uh, I've been at Decium since 2013, so since the founding year. Mm. And I guess, well, I, I'm not always sure what a CEO does, but I, I like to think I try and uh, keep everyone singing in the same tune. Well, I've been watching your November YouTube series. It's a lot of fun. You're, you're CEO slash YouTube celebrity, so congratulations on that. <laughs> a fun job. Um, well, listen, I, I, in one way, a lot has happened since we last spoke, and I think it was May. In another way, it's kind of like Groundhog Day again. We're kind of like back in the thick of disruption again, which has gotten probably not a surprise to, to many of us. But catch us up a little bit about how the, the summer was for the business. And, you know, you've got this global footprint, whether it's through your partners or your own brand store. So give us a sense of how the summer was and, and how business, uh, you know, just how things have evolved and, and how you're thinking about the business itself today for 2020. We'll talk about 2021 a bit later, but just give us, just catch us up a little bit. Well, it's certainly been an interesting year. And I think like many companies and businesses around the world, and you know, when March and everything started to really peak, we were worried. We had a lot of unknowns. Um, like everyone, we weren't quite sure what was going to happen. Um, but actually, we were very fortunate to probably be one of the businesses who have actually benefited somewhat from from everything mm. that's happened in 2020. Um, so quite quickly, we saw a, 
um, you know, this our sales were already seeing strong growth, but suddenly there was an increased acceleration, uh, which I think was driven from a few different parts. I think people having more time at home to research uh, meant people were kind of taking more interest in learning about science, uh, which obviously suits our brand. People taking more interest in looking after their skin, uh, again, because maybe they have more time being at home, uh, less need to wear makeup because they're not going out so much and so there was many different factors um also partly because you know most of our our retail layout we predominantly um especially early 2020 online is well is still our biggest channel so bricks and mortar is still relatively small for us so i think there were many factors that were in our favor so from a i guess demand perspective it's been a very strong year but that doesn't mean behind the scenes that we haven't had a significant number of challenges mm-hmm. um, and you know that's everything from supply chain distribution so one of our products in the ordinary our caffeine solution at the moment has a black dropper instead of a white dropper because uh, obviously mm-hmm. we started to get the impacts of different countries and where they were in in the kind of pandemic uh, so obviously different components started to be in short supply so we've had things from packaging um the biggest one, of course, is our team. Uh, so we very quickly made sure that all of our retail and production teams were given a choice in terms of what they wanted to do uh, so that they could stay at home and still receive 80% salary uh, or they could come in and have a premium. And actually, you know, the, the premium we've paid out all of our production team, that's still in place now. Uh, you know, what are we, seven, eight months in? And we mm-hmm. we don't see that ending until we're kind of through this. Um, so we've really done everything we can to support our people. And I think like many businesses in the beginning, it was number one, let's make sure the business gets through this. Number two, let's make sure we right. preserve all jobs. Um, and again, we're fortunate we've been one of the companies that's been able to hire new talent into the business Um, and you know we take that responsibility seriously we're fortunate to be growing so actually how can we kind of help others and help expand the team and during a time where we know it's very difficult um, for roles and again with our retail roles um, which is probably one of the industries that has been impacted the most we've been very careful to preserve all retail roles and you know quickly found a way to utilize all of that knowledge pool that the retail team have, but able them to work from home. And I think, you know, what's been interesting with the global business, especially this time round, as we're kind of all facing different second waves, it's it's kind of seen it coming at different points. So obviously Europe started first with kind of lockdowns and the UK followed. Um, we're hearing that Toronto is likely to go into kind of full lockdown from tomorrow. So we're now planning around that. Um, so it's kind of a looking a bit more locally now um, as these kind of outbreaks come. Well, it's, you raise a couple of great, interesting points, and, and I've been hearing that from C-level executives. You know, supply chain, for example, is easier to, to, to stop than it is to start, right? In the early days, with so much uncertainty of the pandemic, lots of orders were canceled, and now four weeks later they realized, oh, my goodness, I need way more, but it was you know, it's harder to get it going, and your, your black eyedropper substitution really... Um, really brings that home so you know we're, we're in that time of the year where we're retailers and brands our thoughts turns to you know the holiday retail season and and for for many their their thoughts turn to black friday cyber monday Th- these holidays have really been evolving I'm, i you know i've been watching them in the u.s side where they've you know many brands for example been closing physically on thanksgiving and, and in canada black friday cyber monday is actually pretty new like 10 years ago it didn't exist right it was boxing day and um so it's been evolving now 
You've got a different approach, and that's not new, but we w- I wanted to talk about that today because this is a special bonus episode, just looking at the strategies around Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Of course, this year it's different. You can't do those door crashers anyway, but you've always had a bit of a different approach. Walk me through it. Um, well, it's only actually in the last couple of years we have changed our approach. Mm-hmm. So going back to kind of the, the first few years of Decium, we did what everyone else did. We did a huge discount on a few products just for the Cyber Weekend. And it was only, you know, well, I guess three years ago when we started to have a conversation around none of this makes sense. And I think it can be so easy for businesses and brands to just kind of fall into this trap. And when you step back and you think, why are we putting all of this strain onto one weekend, making people um, make rash decisions? Uh, because ultimately, if something's on a, a discount for just a very short period of time, many of us have all been guilty before, I think, of panic buying. And, and you know, the other challenge we were seeing um, was often retailers choose the products that they have the most stock of, which may be other slow sellers to that they want to kind of shift out the door. And ultimately, if someone is buying a product just because it's discounted, especially in functional beauty, you can guarantee they're probably not buying the right product for them. And if they're not buying the right product for them, well, firstly, that's one of the biggest challenges around sustainability and what's happening in the world with so much Mm -hmm. consumerism. But secondly, you're never going to get a loyal customer. If they're not getting the right product, then they won't have a good brand experience and they won't become a, a customer that we retain over time. And of course, all the stress that we put on our own team by making that weekend, you know, do the volume right. that a month could do, that puts a lot of right. strain on our supply chain teams and, and various other teams too. So we said, actually, how do we balance the fact that people are now used to November being a shopping moment in the year? And, you know, it's a time where people do maybe want to save some money because it's a expensive, probably the most expensive time of the year. And so that's how we came up with this approach of saying, actually, let's do a smaller discount, but across the entire brand. So every single product is included and let's do it for the whole month. So actually no one is doing a rush purchase. People have time to look, to get advice, to talk to, you know, some of our skincare consultants and build a regimen that's right for them. And then make that conscious decision so we can be more confident that they are getting the products that are right for them, whilst also um, easing some of the strain that we had put on our team members in in previous years. Uh, So last year was the first year we did it, and we had an amazing reaction. And we know we gained a lot of loyal consumers. We know customers were getting the right products. They weren't just buying things for the sake of it because there was some huge discount. And it just felt... You know, when something just clicks and it actually just felt like yeah, yeah. we'd done the right thing for our business, for our team, and for our audience. Well, I was going to say, it, it really connects with your with your values in a number of different ways, but it also connects with your brand, right? As in just what you're saying about, you know, we're not about buy anything. We're about buy the right thing for you. I mean, and it is, you know, it is a debate. It's interesting because it's a debate here in Canada, because some would say, I wish it never happened. And it's a bit a bit like toothpaste out of the tube. Because in, in one way, the overall retail sales annually just haven't gone up. They've been more concentrated and pulled into November. But, it, you know, this is the debate in the industry from a you know, day-to-day debate. So it's really interesting you add this kind of extra, extra dynamic to it. And, and I love the idea that you're, you, you, so you found you minted new customers who found you, not just in the kind of days of November, but had the time to consider it the brand, right? That's that's what I'm hearing, yeah? Yeah. And, and you know, we, we gained loyal customers because they mm. bought the products that were right for them and for their skin. Well, let's let's talk about, um, 
2021. I mean, we're almost at the end of, of what was a crazy year and, and the COVID year is, as you said, we're not done with it yet. Could last for a little bit longer. I, I interviewed uh, an author, uh, Rashad Tobakawali. He's got a great book, The Soul of Business, putting, you know, business, taking it away from pure analytics and, and getting back to, to brand and story and a mix of the two. And he says, you know, I think there's a, use a golfing term, like a six month mulligan for brands and, and retailers in the first half of 2021. How are you approaching 2021 knowing what you now know? How are you thinking about 2021 for your business? I mean, I guess the the one thing that I think has always been a principle of Jessiems is just to be adaptable. Um, and I think that was one of the reasons why we managed to you know, fairly successfully get through 2020 mm. was because actually we didn't have some lockdown plan that we were rigid to. We, we managed to kind of change with the times. And I think, you know, that's definitely our approach going into 2021 as well, because if 2020 taught us anything, it's that you can't predict anything. Right. I think right. everyone who had a strategy for 2020 probably ripped it up halfway through the year and, and kind of tried to yeah. to rewrite the plan. So I think really just going in again with that open mind around, you know, fingers crossed there's going to be this vaccine rollout and we can kind of start mm. to get life. But it's, it's not going to be back to normal. And I think yeah. it's a thing that none of us really know yet. But actually, you know, even the world of business travel, what's that going to look like? when we can travel again and everyone's got used to doing things more virtually. And I think people's balance between work and life has changed over the last year. And that's something that I think won't just go back to people wanting to do long commutes and spending all this time away from the home again, if they don't have to. So I think whilst we will get back to a world where COVID is not, it won't ever probably be eradicated, but it at least will be under control. But I think for me, the area which is too hard to predict at the moment is what the future kind of human behaviors will look like. And I think that's why it's still best to go in with this kind of open mindset because, you know, whether many people go back to the offices or not, it's going to depend where high street retail gets back because if there's no offices full in those kind of busy high street locations then retail might have to change to more communities and more actually kind of neighborhoods where homes are but i think a lot of that is still too hard to predict and so i think for us it's still just keeping this kind of open mind and you know believing in our our own principles our own values doing what's right for us and just being flexible depending on how how humans come back after such a huge life-changing year Talking to a lot of people uh, for the podcasts and, and the general assessment for as much as anybody knows is is in the fullness of time based on the things you're saying about lifestyle and, and where and how people work and how efficient they found it or how much they hated it working at home. It's the best guess right now is about two thirds of people will return back to offices on an ongoing basis, which, which may, means it leaves a very intriguing question. If one third of people aren't going to downtowns or high streets or wherever they work, is it e-commerce or are they going to shop more locally? And I guess that's one of the things that, uh, you know, literally the billion dollar question, right? What's structurally different versus what's tactically different. And, and that must roll into your, your planning as well. Yeah. Well, indeed, but I think rather than, than plan for it, we, we're just kind mm. of keeping an open mind and keep doing what's right for, for us. Um, and then we'll see how all of the, the human behaviors adapt. So if you mentioned your team and, and some great work you're doing with your team, if 2020, was the year of figuring out and ensuring to keep people safe. It feels to me like 2021 is keeping people sane. You know, it's been a, a turbulent time and will continue. How, how are you thinking about that for, for your people? Anything 
uh, incremental to what you're doing today as, as we, you know, we get into the long haul of this COVID era? Well, you know, for those who have followed the, the journey of Desi and they all know mental health is very um, close to our hearts, um, you know, with what we went through in, in 2018. So I think since then, there's many things we've introduced, um, you know, for mental health days. We've just introduced even more personal days that people can take to kind of focus around mental health, um, as well as our hugs program, which has got amazing resources for the team. But I think we also want to go one step further and actually continue the, you know, whilst I think we are in a good place looking after our our colleagues, but actually how do we look after communities too? Because there are some people out there who might not be fortunate enough to have a caring workplace or maybe a caring family or kind of whoever that support network is around them. So I think that's something we want to focus on is how do we use our good um, to help more than just our, our own people. Great conversation. Thanks again so much for taking time to uh, to chat with me. Now, um, I can't have you on the mic uh, without asking a few recommendations for the listeners out there. Everyone's thinking about uh, maybe some gifts or thinking about themselves. What are you What are you loving in your line today? Other than you know your base flagships, what What are you loving particularly today? So at the moment, I'm loving our hair density serum, uh, which is mm. the serum you rub into your scalp, and it has all the nutrition your follicles need to give you uh, the best hair that you can have uh, so that's definitely one of my staples um, and you know whilst we've been working at home much more I've just our squalene cleanser is something so therapeutic just massaging into the skin and I find you know sometimes it gets to midday and depending on how the mm. morning's been there's something mm. where it's almost just a reset to kind of go into the bathroom and kind of massage it into my face rinse it away with warm water so um, that's definitely a little luxury that I've got into from working from home kind of a midday <laughs> cleanse well nicola it's been such a treat to have uh, to have the opportunity to speak with you again uh, so interesting both uh, strategically philosophically and, and the values and and such a great leader so thanks again for making time in your busy day to speak with uh, the voice of retail podcast i wish you uh, continued success and and uh, a safe uh, time for you and your family anytime thank you for having me michael Welcome, everyone, to the Voice of Retail podcast special edition. It's a bonus edition, Black Friday. And, and, and to this edition or this episode, I pulled together a great panel to just chat through some of the retail strategy. So why don't we kick it, why don't we kick it off? Why don't we jump right in? Introduce yourselves. Uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? And I'll ask the first question. Everybody tell us a, a couple of minutes about yourself. Steve, uh, kick it off for us. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. It's great to be able to join everyone. So I'm Steve Dennis. I've spent about two-thirds of my career in operating roles at retail and consumer brands, most recently as the chief strategy officer and head of multi-channel marketing for the Neiman Marcus Group. But for the last several years, I've been out on my own as a strategy and innovation consultant, writer, and speaker. Uh, earlier this year, I released a book called Remarkable Retail, and now I get to deal with Michael more than I care to on the Remarkable Retail <laughs> podcast. It's nice to hear your voice too, Steve. Karen, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm a marketing brand renovator, innovator, and transformer. And over the years, I've led 360 omnichannel innovation digital transformation and accelerated growth, uh, most recently for iconic Canadian companies in the retail space, like the global uh, entrepreneurial Yoganfrews, the proudly Canadian giant tiger stores, and the global direct-to-consumer startup, Inkbox Tattoos. Glad to be here. 
Thank you and welcome. Anne, tell us about yourself. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Anne Donahue. I was most recently the Chief Marketing Officer at MEC. So I brought I was brought in to build you know, the marketing and digital capabilities and really revitalize an iconic brand. So turning love into trust and, and driving demand across Canada. Prior to that, I spent five years in Asia with Interbrand, helping organizations strengthen their brands. And I also have deep experience in customer relationship marketing, even started in the romance business at Harlequin. So I think the red thread is really being that focus on the customer. And so now I'm consulting, helping companies strengthen their brands and their customer experiences. Well, fantastic. Welcome. And, and, um, so I thought, I thought, what a great panel to pull together. And last year, I did a panel on Black Friday. Of course, this year, like everything else, uh, everything is a little bit different. Black Friday is, you know, either elongated or skewed. You know, we just heard from from uh, Nicola talking about their approach. So I wanted to get just such three three great uh, retail strategists and marketers on the podcast. Steve, why don't you jump in? Why don't we Why don't we start with you as a retail strategist and on this panel? And and uh, you are the the, the one person sitting in, in the United States, the home of, of Black Friday, and that, that holiday's been evolving in the U.S. Of course, it came up to Canada plus or minus about 10 years ago. Give us a sense from your perspective about how the Black Friday slash Cyber Monday weekend event is, is evolving and transforming uh, in the U.S. Sure. So, well, one, my, my perspective on Black Friday has always been that it is more of a story than an actual event. Uh, as you may know, it was created by the National Retail Federation as a media event and has kind of taken on a life of its own, I guess, over the last, whatever it is now, 20, 20 years. So I think really what we've seen over the last few years generally has been that Black Friday has become a bit less important uh, from a physical store sales perspective, while Cyber Monday has become more important overall, the I think the primary reason for Black Friday becoming a bit less important, though it'll still probably be the biggest sales day of the year, even even this year, is that more and more retailers were opening on Thanksgiving Day, the day before U.S. Thanksgiving, and that was tending to move some sales off of Black Friday, and then even more so some of the deals were starting to be offered, in some cases, even a couple of weeks before Black Friday. So what had been historically clustered around the thanks, the U.S. Thanksgiving Day weekend has been spread out over over more days, essentially. So that, that tended to make Black Friday a bit less important in terms of the single-day sales volume. Karen, Black Friday is, is a pretty recent event in Canada. I remember you and I were talking about this back in earlier in our career when, when Boxing Day was really the big event in Canada. And, and in some ways, you know, half the community looked south with, with some envy and said, boy, it's nice to have a day that kicks off holiday shopping. But from your perspective, why do you think it's become so popular in Canada? Recent Retail Council of Canada research tells us that it's, it's the number one shopped day of the three big hitters, Cyber Monday and, and Boxing Day. Why do, you, why do you think Canadians adopted it or, or welcomed the, the holiday so, so enthusiastically? I think, Michael, in the U.S., they really understood with Black Friday, consumer needs much better than we got it with um, Boxing Day in Canada. With the timing of Black Friday, customers got what they wanted. They got the discounts before the holidays with enough time to ship, 
versus Boxing Day, where you had to line up to get what's left over after your gifting season and holidays were over. If you ask me, sign me up for Black Friday and Cyber Monday well in advance of the holidays. Right on. So so really, it was filling, would you say it was filling an unmet need, that, that, that opportunity to have a big holiday for gifting, because Boxing Day kind of performed also self-giving. So it, it just filled a big gap. Is that what you, what you think happened? I think it filled the gap and the time frame of it was so ideal for customers pre the gift giving season with enough time to ship prior to the holidays. What do you think? And I just want to hang on that for a, a second because we both lived mm-hmm. through it. It's recent. Mm-hmm. So it's not an, it's an observation that was you and I could have made 20 years ago. Why do you think it took so long for it to, to break here? Was it the, okay, the mix of the exchange rate and watching customers cross the border to America? Like, was there some, in your mind, was there some pivot point or, or a point that, that just triggered a mass adoption? I think it was also a reticence on the part of retailers to give up margin. The mm. hope was mm. that people would pay closer to full price or slightly discounted prior to the holidays, and then they could clear out inventory at, at Boxing Day time period and right. try and gain uh, a more full margin pre the holiday season. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, the toothpaste out of the tube question <laughs> around, <laughs> around Black Friday and, and, and retail margins. And we've seen a, a number, a variety of, of strategies around retailers, both in Canada and the U.S., uh, you know, from adopting full on, making it the, the, like the, the anchor point to a promotional calendar for the year. And then not unlike Decium, those who just decide we're not, we're going to give it all, all over a pass. And, you know, where do you f- land in terms of a brand perspective on how you talk to your customers all year long and then gear up for a very promotional event. It doesn't suit, it doesn't seem to suit all brands, but it, it is an uncomfortable, geez, am I missing out on an opportunity and how does it fit? How do you, where do you land on that spot and what lens do you look at that through? Yeah. Um, well, and I came from, uh, I was working with a retailer where we chose not to engage and um, to Karen's point, focused on that the full margin uh, sales. But of course, this is a unique year and there's additional pressures that are on retailers right now. I would say throughout the year, we need to look at um, the business through the lens of our customer, our brand and our values. So, and you think of this time of year, there's a significant number of customers out there shopping. And so they're actively buying. And the question is, how do we want to show up during this time period? Um, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of big retailers who are going full tilt, you know, on promotions and their wow factor for their brand is to be able to offer that great value and, and quick delivery. And it works well for their brands if they're able to execute well. Um, but, you know, I think it is interesting to see more and more brands, um, retailers focusing on their values and looking at ways to actually stand out from all this promotional clutter I love what Decium's doing. Um, we also see retailers like IKEA promoting their sellback programs. Um, so we're kind of looking at brands redefining what it means to save. And so I think from a brand perspective, it's really important to think about what we want customers to remember about us. And this is an opportunity to create more of a differentiated experience. You know, you you must um, look around and observe, as we all do, the interesting phenomenon where it's a retail holiday became 
everybody's holiday, like Black Friday events from getting your oil changed to like everybody started to pile on to the Black Friday event. Do you, th- you think that's wise from a, a brand a brand perspective because a lot of DTC brands in in this game now as well. Um, do you do you think you'll see more adoption or of promotional activities like Black Friday, or do you think it's going to simmer down, you know, this year and and perhaps I guess it's really the the intersection of those two competing forces, right? We, it's been a tough year and need sales versus need to be true to the brand and need to be true to the customer uh, ethos. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when you have all the uh, customers are out there shopping, naturally we all float up, um, whether or not we have major discounting. But this year is a tough year. And so um, it's easy to get caught up in the need to promote. But at the same time, it's a sea of promotional clutter. And um, whether or not that really helps you in terms of driving additional uh, sales at strong, mar- you know, at good enough margins. Um, that's uh, that's a debate. <laughs> Steve, there's a lot of retailers who are giving their taking the actual day off, and and that that's the one thing that always confused me a little bit. Such a big holiday in the United States uh, that is Thanksgiving, but yet many many people had to to work on that holiday. But is it is it some kind of moral? alignment of the the work i mean this year is a bit of an anomaly or is it something more fundamental going on in other words i can do a lot of sales anyway without the people in the store so i get the best of both worlds so in other words is that a trend you think will accelerate and and how do you view that well i'm not sure i think you know this this phenomenon of being open on thursday on the thanksgiving day is pretty recent and a lot of retailers haven't been participating in it so i think this year it seems a little bit unseemly to be open on Thanksgiving Day in light of the pandemic. And I also think because a lot fewer people are going to go to the store, to your point, they're not necessarily giving up all that much by being closed on on Thanksgiving Day. And a few big retailers made that move, and then a lot followed. And, and that's one of the, I know this is kind of touched on earlier, but I think one of the real issues with, with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, any of this kind of promotional event is this idea that it's kind of a zero-sum game, that people are only going to spend so much for the holidays. So if we don't get it and get it first, then we lose it forever. So that, I think, has been driving the ever-moving earlier launch of these deals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we've got the overlay this year, which is a slightly different point, which is how, well, in some cases, there's limited supply of certain products because of supply chain disruption. So there's an overall pressure to try to get business done early because it may not be, the product may not be available. And then the whole ship, so-called shipageddon issue of um, there may not be ability to get product delivered unless you buy it in the next week or so as a consumer. So I think there's a lot of factors going on that are pretty unique to the pandemic. And I, I think it remains to be seen. And, you know, it's like a lot of these issues in, in business strategy, right? As if, if Walmart or some other big player moves, then you feel compelled to right. keep pace. If they sit on the sidelines, then you're okay to sit on the sidelines. And it's, you know, the proverbial race to the bottom in a lot of cases by continuing to up the ante. So I think it's a great thing that U.S. retailers aren't open on Thanksgiving Day. But my guess is next year, assuming you know, good remediation of the virus and so forth. We'll, we'll see re- many retailers make, make that move. And then many will feel like they have to follow. And Steve, I guess the question, that question becomes particularly cute when you look at events like prime day, where many retailers say, okay, do I let them have their day and stand aside? And by doing that, 
you know, not reinforce that as a big event? Or do I just need to, back to this FOMO moment, do I need to, I think Target did in the US, they said, well, we're going to do Prime Day specials too, because we just don't want to lose out on those sales. I guess that's a real, a real interesting question. In, in other words, how do you stay remarkable to use your, your great words around being a remarkable retailer when you're kind of following the, the pack some days by sometimes necessity or, or inclination, I guess? Well, there's nothing remarkable about sending an, uh, selling an identical product at a slightly lower price. Right? That, that in and of itself is not, that's, there's no business strategy there. I think, as, as was mentioned earlier, I do think there's a real kind of fork in the road from a branding standpoint. If you're the sort of brand that is more about selling widely available items at a low price, then you're mostly about transactions. And I think it makes a certain amount of sense to participate actively in an event like Black, Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Um, and in that case, you're not using your, you're using your store as a fulfillment point. You're not using your store as an experiential point. So if that's the sort of brand you are, I think participating actively in Black Friday, you almost have to. If you're the sort of brand, a more story experiential brand, then I'm not sure what Black Friday has to do with elevating your brand. You may feel like you need to do it because you have inventory to sell. But I think there is a bit of fork in the road in terms of type of brand you are and the degree to which you should lean into Black Friday. So to me, it's not surprising that Patagonia or some of these other brands basically opt out and try to use that as an opportunity to build a more trusted relationship with their employees or to elevate certain parts about their brand that are really distinctive because they're not about efficiency and low price and transactions. They're about relationships and enduring trust. And your history and talking to merchants and the kind of, you know, those discussions, which can be pretty interesting where there's this, you know, there's this FOMO in other words, uh, boy, if we don't jump on this, you know, some open to buy for the consumers could get sucked up and, and there's just not, there's risk there. So how, you know, in your past, in your career, not, not to name any one retailer, but overall, as you think about this, how do you, how do you handle those discussions with, uh, with the merchants who are charged with hitting the, bu- hitting the numbers, hitting the budgets? Well, in my past uh, life, we actually did not do promotions. Um, we did clearance. And so, you know, it was more around clearing inventory. And then we were creative in terms of providing additional offers to get people in the stores and and to keep coming back. But we weren't necessarily caught in that game. It was more around how early do you clear inventory? How, How quickly can you get discounts out there? I would say over the last couple of few years, there was definitely more pressure and more um, conversation because of the the FOMO elements of it. Um, But it was really around um, the long game of the whole holiday season and thinking about how do we um, service our customers, our members in the best way possible and stay true to our values and our brand story. So, you know, we were more of an experiential type of brand, um, and that was the focus point um, for us from a marketing perspective, rather than getting caught in in that race um, from a pricing perspective. As a retail CMO, if I gave you a magic wand, and that magic wand could somehow put toothpaste back in the tube, in other words... Black Friday just goes away, uh, and then 
merchants would go, great, so now I can sell the same amount of products. Because if you look at sales in Canada and to some degree in the U.S., the sales hasn't really gone up on an annual basis. It's just shifted around. That's particularly acute in Canada. So it hasn't hasn't actually increased sales. Would you wave that magic wand? Would you would you eliminate this distortion that some call it, this Black Friday event, or would you just say, listen, it's it's part of the canvas and let's let's optimize it? Promotions are always, you know, they're necessary tools to drive demand, clear inventory, but you know, a one day sale on some select items is a very different uh, story than having months or you know sales going on for months long, and and we're training um, consumers to purchase. Um, based on, you know, discounts, mm. uh, which reduces our ability to develop um, more uh, deeper relationships with our customers. And ultimately, we have decreasing margins and customers end up paying less, but they're getting lower quality products and services. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation. So yes, um, like as Steve said, there's always going to be retailers that are focused on quick delivery, lower prices, large breadth of products. But uh, it is really like for those more experiential brands, how do you differentiate? Because so many retailers are selling very similar products. How are you going to stand out? That's the question. And I think, yes, if I could turn back time, mm-hmm. I think it's more around how do we get back to that? What's the value that we provide our customers and how can we differentiate ourselves? Karen, I, I on the last uh, pod, the last interview I did on Black Friday, I had a professor from Ryerson University in Toronto and he talked about price promotions and these kind of events as like the gamification of retail. He said it makes it exciting for consumers. How do you as a retail marketer generate excitement without promotions like how what's your toolkit what's your what's your advice to the retailers listening about saying listen you don't need this promotion all the time but you can still generate excitement and interest in your brand and traffic importantly to your retailers you know it's interesting because i go back to some of the classics of branding and marketing and just building on what ann had to say this is where your toolkit in terms of innovation value add VIP customer cultivation, scarcity, and value-add relevance in terms of building great partnerships. And I can think of two really interesting examples Um, recently in the Canadian marketplace. Hudson Bay recently did a partnership with um, the iconic uh, Canadian Schitt's Creek brand, Catherine O'Hara and Annie Murphy, for their More Jor campaign. They integrated it not only in terms of their omni-channel, but in terms of their merchandising. This is where they created news, relevancy, um, they took a hot property and they integrated it in a relevant way for a Canadian consumer and created a buzz and uh, made the brand more relevant, interesting, and engaging. So it wasn't necessarily we're going to discount 30% as part of a Black Friday, but we're going to make our brand more relevant for our customer in a way that's meaningful. And not just major players can take advantage of this kind of strong brand marketing. Another example is an on, is um, the entrepreneurial Inkbox Tattoo. They partnered with the iconic Canadian poet, Rupi Kaur, and created a limited edition gift box tattoo set with her um, poetry on it. And it was done in a very unique way 
to take her poetry into a new medium and in a relevant way for their target audience um, with a Canadian poet. And so small entrepreneurial startups can do this in a way that's relevant for their target audience, create meaning, create scarcity because it's a limited edition, and create that drive and demand for their brand. And so to me, this is the essentials of marketing, creating relevance, creating meaning, creating innovation for your product that's meaningful to your customer base. And that's going to drive excitement. It's going to drive immediacy. um, And it's going to create a buzz for your business. Well, it's nice to see uh, Hudson's Bay not doing a scratch and save for the holidays, that's for sure. Um, You know, a little bit of history there. Steve, last word to you. You know, you and I have been talking about this issue for many episodes of our Remarkable Retail podcast. This whole uh, great acceleration, the, a, a reset of retail is now the time as a, as a uh, strategist, as an industry to reset any of the old ways and move forward. Is, is this a unique opportunity or is it just going to be you know, lost in the, in, the, in the necessity of driving sales to, to really make sure everyone's in employed and keep the business moving in very difficult times. Any, any sense as you think about this and other issues about, about a structural change pending for retail? I don't think there'll be a structural change around Black Friday or, or Cyber Monday, just because I think retailers, you know, we know who we are, right? I mean, there's certain things we can't help doing. I think when faced with competition or competitive pressures, when faced with inventory we're sitting on. So I think there's some underlying aspects that that drive the behavior over over this weekend that are not likely to go away. Uh, I think where we're seeing an acceleration that affects Black Friday and Cyber Monday is, as as you know, I often talk about the blurring of the lines between uh, physical and digital, and so one thing that's you almost said fidget. You I almost, almost said, said digital, and I have to <laughs> have to immediately sign off the, the podcast. Well, uh, we, I, we'd have to give a nickel to our friend at Lockheed. Lock exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, going back to what I said about this being a media event, as, as much as we see, at least in the states, CNBC folks sitting in um, some mall outside of New York counting shopping bags to give us an early indication as to what sales will be. Uh, which to me is one of the most ridiculous things ever. The Black Friday has become a multi-channel, omni-channel, harmonized retail, whatever phenomenon anyway. You know, this year, obviously, for safety reasons, uh, lots of people aren't going to be going to physical stores, so they can just buy online. But that was happening anyway. So I think we'll continue to see more online penetration going forward. Certainly accelerated a lot this year, but continuing to grow we're going to see, and I don't want to get into the whole definitional issue here, but there's going to be a lot of folks that will buy online and pick up at a store on Friday. Right, so it will right, be right. a Black Friday frenzy. It'll just be the frenzy will be at curbside, not necessarily at the cash wraps. So so I think a lot of these, these trends will continue. Uh, but I think, at least in the States, having this day after a big holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, just creates an opportunity for people to talk about it in terms of the the media presence, but many people are off work and they're going to shop, whether they do that on their, their phone or their laptop or actually go into a physical store when they next year when they feel much safer. All right. Well, listen, uh, Karen, Steve, and it's been a great panel discussion, really adds to the, uh, the ongoing thought leadership around this important event. I want to thank you all for being on the Voice of Retail podcast, and, and it was a real pleasure 
uh, listening to you and and, uh, getting your perspective. So once again, stay safe. Thanks a lot. Stay safe. And uh, I wish you a great uh, Black Friday weekend of shopping. Well, thanks to Nicholas, Steve, Karen, and Anne for being my guests in this episode, plus Omnovos and Riri for their support of this very special Black Friday bonus episode. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform, rate and review, and be sure to recommend to a friend or colleague in the retail industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc, founder and president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc. You can learn more about me on www.meleblanc.co or, of course, on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a safe week.